Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back. Goes reverse with a left hand. It was sweet. This is Warriors Roundtable. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Hands off to Jared Jack. Warriors in absolutely no hurry here. They'll spread the floor. Minute five to go. And they start to rise as one here at Oracle. Jared Jack tries to go penetration. Pump fake leads in, gets a foul on. Waiters throws it up and it goes in. Last night, the Golden State Warriors a win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, 24 of the first of 29 points scored by Golden State. Warriors win by 10, but let's get right to the news of the day. After practice this morning in Oakland, head coach Mark Jackson addressed the media and gave them this news. We will be shutting down uh, Bogut for the next 7 to 10 days. Um, It's not a setback. Basically, it's um, to strengthen, get him to strengthen um, his ankle um, and put him right right back on path. So uh, the right thing to do is to shut him down and let him take time to strengthen it. And we're excited about when he comes back. Once again, this is not a setback. Um, it's, it's us staying true to the process. And with playing games, uh, we've reached a plateau now where it's best – to uh, take time to strengthen it uh, where you don't have that luxury if he continues to play games. Not exactly what Warrior fans wanted to hear. Andrew Bogut shut down for 7 to 10 days. Now, Bogut obviously wasn't thrilled with this, but he does know it's the right thing to do. You know, my rehab progressed very well in the preseason, and I probably came back a little early because I, I wanted to, to test Anquay out and really see where I was at, you know, and I, I probably... Um, little too soon but that's just what I wanted to do and it wasn't it wasn't the Warriors pushing me or anybody pushing me it was myself trying to be out there and see how it responds but um, my rehab progress has plateaued a little bit it hasn't gotten worse but it's, it hasn't got hasn't gotten better this last week as much as I'd like it to and it's it's still a little bit of a struggle to push off the ankle and to um, it's more just power and and uh, you know, quick quick movement stuff. What I'm struggling with, so I feel like I'm a liability out there because I can't rebound. I can't I can't move the way I'd like to move. Um, so I'm going to try to get it right in the next seven or ten days and just see how it responds. We'll have more from Mark Jackson and Andrew Bogut later on in our program in our Warriors Vox segment. Coming up on the show, we'll talk to Clay Thompson as he headed into his second year as an NBA pro and what he learned this summer while playing for that USA Select team. We'll have some questions for you on Warriors Vox as well as the post-practice press conference with Mark Jackson and Andrew Bogut. We'll continue to show you how the Warriors give back to the Bay Area community and then Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com to wrap up the show as we talk about the first of two weeks in the Association Association in 2012-2013. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed and one foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. 
Clay Thompson showed the way early, and he's like a, a seasoned veteran compared to some of these guys in summer league. He's also very smooth. It's just like, does he break a sweat when he plays? Doesn't look like it. He's got that beautiful stroke. He can move. There's his pops right there. He's got to be proud. And oh, his toughest critic, I might add. Yeah, I'm sure. That's Michael Thompson. We talked about him. Let's go back to the 2011 NBA draft. The Golden State Warriors had the 11th overall pick. I'm Tim Roy, and the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. And Golden State would select Clay Thompson, 6'7 shooting guard from Washington State. 2011 NBA Draft, the Golden State Warriors select Clay Thompson from Washington State University. Clay Thompson in the Pac-10 was a very good player, early entry candidate. His dad, of course, was Michael Thompson, the number one overall pick of the 1978 draft, taken by Portland and won two NBA championships with the Los Angeles Lakers. So Clay was coming to the Warriors with an NBA pedigree. On draft night, head coach Mark Jackson was very excited to have Clay. Well, you're talking about a guy that can flat out score the basketball, outstanding shooter. I love his size. I love his length. Um, the, the, and, and the thing I love about it is he worked out for us where I had the opportunity to see him, and he wanted to be a Golden State Warrior. Uh, comes from great bloodlines when you talk about his dad, uh, Michael Thompson, and it's just a great day for, for the Warriors as far as turning the page and moving forward. In Clay's rookie season, it did not start out like a house on fire. He was playing behind Monte Ellis, and Monte Ellis was the dominant player for the Golden State Warriors until the trade in March with the Milwaukee Bucks that brought Andrew Bogut to Golden State. At that point, Clay Thompson moved into the starting lineup, and in 29 starts, he averaged 18 points, three rebounds, and three assists. He earned first-team all-rookie honors in 2011 and 2012. But you had the feeling that Clay was only scratching the surface, that there was still a lot of upside there. I sat down with Clay before the start of the season and talked about his summer, his goals, and his aspirations as a pro. Excited, you know, it's a long season, but I'm really excited, and everyone's back, and a lot of excitement for the season to start. So I got the same excitement, and I'm real jittery. And uh, it's going to be tough to sleep tonight, but I'm excited, so I'll be fine. Last year it was new. Now, granted, you had the the advantage of having a dad that played in the NBA, and you have brothers that are playing professional sports, so you know the drill per coming in. But is it going to be a little bit easier for you? You think this year, having gone through it last year? Oh no, question. Last year, you know, the lockout, you had no idea, so it was kind of tough. But um, this year, yeah, it's going to be a lot easier. You know, a full training camp. I experienced that last year, but uh, uh, with the, just how to handle yourself between off days and to get the proper rest and just to take how to take care of your body. You know, I'm a lot more used to it and um, learned a lot last year, and I can't wait to start this year. You know, the playing time you received in, the, in the, the second half of the season last year, how much did that do for your confidence? Because when I watched you play in Summer League, and granted it, it's Summer League, it's not real NBA game action per se, an NBA caliber of, of opponent. But when I saw you play in Summer League this year, I saw a guy that was so – assured and confident of himself that you know not the the rookie we saw maybe in December and January of, of last year did you feel that way yeah um I think a lot of sophomores felt that way too though um yeah I, I was you know a lot of confidence going to summer league especially coming out of USA camp playing as best players in the world right playing as guys trying to make the NBA and um I feel that way this year I'm going into to practice tomorrow not thinking I have the starting job, you know, thinking to myself I got to prove that I 
and the starters. So you got to have that menta mentality throughout all of October. And, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. What was the Team USA experience like? Oh, it was a lot of fun. You know, you went away some days feeling like you weren't that good, but then you told yourself, oh, wait, we're playing against the best players in the world. So, yeah. you know, it was different. But, uh, I, I mean, it was so much fun. I learned so much playing against those guys. And um, I came away with what I needed to do, work on and, you know, how to prepare myself. And just seeing how hard those guys work in the gym is real motivating. Now, any NBA experience is always a little bittersweet because sometimes friends move on, they get traded, they go as a free agent. Warriors have had a number of roster changes, but when you look at this roster in terms of, of the talent on it, uh, how do you see this roster and, and how excited are you about the start of the season? I really like the, you know, the roster we have right now. We've got a great bench. Um, you know, we got one of the best front lines in the NBA with David Lee and uh, Andrew Bogut. That's me. You know, a deadly combination, both great passing big men. We made some management, made some great acquisitions in the summer with Jared Jack, Carl Landry, and bringing back Brandon. And they had a great draft as well. And then uh, we got some great shooters and some scores, so I can't wait to see how we shape up. Yeah, a lot of guys can pass the basketball. I think it's going to be a lot of fun from that uh, department. How has Mark Jackson's coaching blended with your natural strength as a player and made you more team-oriented? Uh, well, with Coach Jackson, he uh, he's played with a lot of great shooters, you know, Hall of Famers like Chris Mullen and Reggie Miller. And, uh, you know, I want to get to their level one day. And, um, you know, he, he tells me to play aggressive, you know, be selfish at times, but also, you know, let, let the game come to you. And, um, you know, not only be a scorer, but be a playmaker as well. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to expand on this year. Ben, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the way you expanded your game coming down the stretch last year. It just seemed you were getting the basket more. You, you were more, uh, I think, uh, cognizant on the defensive end, which is natural for any rookie. But do you feel like you're just tapping you know, the, some of the different aspects of your game other than, obviously, your ability to shoot the ball? I think so. Uh, I can always shoot, but you know, I don't want to just be known as a great catch-and-shoot player. I want to be able to score efficiently, you know, get to the basket, and play make for my teammates as well as play defense. That's what all the best two guards in the league can do. And to get to that level, I can't be complacent with uh, just being a good shooter. So I've been trying to work on that this summer and build on that from last year and continue that every year I'm in the NBA. How does it feel to no longer be a rookie? feels great <laughs> not to have to carry around a pink backpack, <laughs> not to go on rookie duties and get donuts or food at late night. So I'm really looking forward to this year just being able to relax. And now you get to torture the rookies on the roster and make them go get them. Yeah, yeah, one day. <laughs> More three-pointers made this year, you or Steph? Wow. That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> man, I'm going to go, you know, um, it's tough to answer, but... Uh, I gotta go. You know, for my pride, I'll just go with myself. You gotta, you gotta, I gotta go with myself. Guard. Steph's go a great shooter, so. but I don't know. That's gonna be a tough one to beat Steph. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA, so can't promise anything. Now, when you look at the addition of Andrew Bogut, the drafting of Festus Azili, how much better is it gonna be for you defensively to have those big guys behind you? Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of trust back there when you can, you know, you can get up and guard your man close. And uh, if he beats you off the dribble once or twice, you know, you got Andrew or Festus back there to help you protect the rim. So I can't wait for that. Andrew's one of the best shot blockers in the game, so excited to play with him. 
And Festus, you know, showed a great shot blocking ability this summer. So it's going to be a it's going to be a great great thing to watch. And now you get to go the full 82. Yep. Yeah, just 66 was tough last year, you know, in a compressed season, but. I know I can do it, you know, 82 and hopefully beyond. So you just got to take care of your body and stay mentally tough. Playoffs? Yeah, that's the goal. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Clay, thanks right. for coming by and joining us. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Through five games, Clay Thompson averaging 15.8 points a contest, over five rebounds a game, and that has been a very good jump for Clay Thompson in that category. Also a couple of assists and a steal. He's shooting 38% from the field, but 379 outside the three-point line. Look for more improvement from Clay Thompson this season. As the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues, we always like to tell you how the Warriors care about the Bay Area community. And this week, we'll tell you about NBA Cares Go Green. When we return on KBR 680, the sports leader. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Golden State Warriors celebrated the announcement that eSurance would be the team's official auto insurance provider for the 2012-2013 season. And the two partners got together to assemble a green mob on Friday, October 26th and encouraged fans with a bar ride from the Oakland City Center to San Francisco's Embarcadero Station. The green mob then moved down Market Street, encouraging the public to use environmentally conscious transportation in the Bay Area. Among the Warriors who were on hand were head coach Mark Jackson, assistant coach Bob Byer, and players Steph Curry, Andres Biedrich, Jared Jack, and Charles Jenkins. All aboard! It's good to have y'all back now. Ladies and gents, y'all already know Clipper cards here, Come one, come on, get your cards. Out here giving Clipper cards away. Yeah, I mean, everybody is trying to you know, leave work early and get back to their home. So we're handing out clipper cards and schedules so that when they get home, they can watch the Warriors and know when they're coming on. So a lot of excitement on Market Street, though. San Francisco is popping. Nice logo. You only have to smile in order to get them, though. No frowns out here. Here we go. How y'all doing? Green Mob is here with insurance promoting eco-friendly public transportation, giving out clipper cars to all the people here in San Francisco. We want to give you this too. This is a clipper card for $5. You can use on all the major public transportation systems in the Bay Area. So we got big families, so here's two. There you go. Yes, ma'am. No problem. How you doing? What's going on, man? Doing all right? Yeah, man, we're with the Give you this $5 Clipper card if you can use on all the Bay Area transportation systems, man. Yes, sir. And a green shirt. Here you go. Going out to the BART. I'm going to pass out some of these Clipper cards, little free passes or whatever. You know, help people get to and from wherever they're going, be at work. You know, going into the city for a good time, have some dinner or whatever the case may be. You know, try to make their uh, transition back and forth a little bit easier. Roy Easters and the Golden State Warriors, man. We'll go green. That's right. I got cover cards and schedules. Who wants them? Cover cards and schedules. Who wants them? 
How you doing? You doing all right? Hey, you good. Thank man. you, man. Can I give you this? Yeah. Clipper card and a schedule. Uh, thank you, buddy. Yes, sir. Five dollars that you can use. There you go, man. Nah, this is a schedule and a t-shirt. Here you go. Look, all right. Any of y'all ride Bart? You ride Bart? Here you go, man. Five dollar Clipper card you can use. You ride Bart too? Go green. You ride Bart. You ride Bart too? Every once in a while? Here you go. Oh, have a, it's a clip you can use on Bart. Free, uh, did you get one of these? You got one of these? There's a schedule so you can follow us and then a clipper card so you can come watch us. You know, Bart card? Five dollars off. There you go. Five dollars off on a Bart. Here, I'll give you two. For both of you guys, too. Yep, we good. What's up, man? You got a couple joints for the Bart? Actually handing out, uh, T-shirts and bond cards, e-shirts, largest auto insurance company, um, going green, encouraging people. So it's going to be an exciting year, and thanks to insurance for all their support. What's up, my man? You want a T-shirt? My pleasure, all right? Go green. He'll fire three ball right corner pocket. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors have new four packs featuring all the marquee matchups, including upcoming appearances by the Lakers and the Heat. Limited lower level tickets are still available. Go to warriors.com slash mini plan to call one AAA GSW hoop and press one. Operators are standing by to assist you. Time now to answer some of your questions, and of course, some of the questions today come from the media because of the fact of the news of the day. Andrew Bogut to be shut down for 7 to 10 days while he continues to rehab that left ankle. Let's go to the post-practice press conference this morning with head coach Mark Jackson. We will be shutting down uh, Bogut for the next 7 to 10 days. Um, it's not a setback. Basically, it's uh, to strengthen, get him to strengthen uh, his ankle um, and put him right, right back on path. So uh, the right thing to do is to shut him down and let him take time to strengthen it. And we're excited about when he comes back. Once again, this is not a setback. Um, it's, it's us staying true to the process. And with playing games, uh, we've reached a plateau now where it's best to uh, take time to strengthen it uh, where you don't have that luxury if he continues to play games. Why, why now? Well, it was the right time. We just reached that point where he's played. Uh, in all honesty, he feels limited um, and it feels like he's been inconsistent. Uh, we value what he's brought to the table, but I think it's the best thing to do. Uh, we talked about listening to the doctors and also listening to Andrew's body and um, making the right decision for him, for this organization, and for our future. Just to be absolutely clear, that means no practice? No, or just... We will shut him down for seven to ten days and then uh, take it from there. Is that, that's, that's your timeline. Right? I mean, is it a wait and see after ten how it goes and there's a possibility of extending that or is it... 
Well, I would hope that that's it, but it, like everything else, it's going to be a wait and see. Um, this is a process, and ultimately we're going to stay true to the process and listen to his body um, and make decisions based on that. Was it something from last night at all? Probably something from you know, the process in general. You know, Sacramento, uh, last night, he doesn't feel like he's 100%. He's clearly not. Um, he's going to experience some, some pain as part of the process, and and he's not going to be uh, the Andrew Bogut that we've come to know and appreciate right away. And it's frustrating at times. That being said, I think we've reached a point where the best thing to do is to shut him down seven to ten days, strengthen um, his foot, and then see where we're at from there. Did you bring him back and do something similar with the minutes limit, or is this the thing now where you're saying we'll bring him back when he's ready to, to go? So. No, no, no. I don't expect him in seven to ten days to come back and play, you know, 35 minutes. No, he's still going to be watched, and we're going to stay true to the process. Um, but I think he's reached that next point now where um, we want to shut him down and get it even stronger. So that obviously affects the rotation uh, in how? Well, you know, Festus will be our starting center, as he's always been um, when Bogut's not in, and Beatrice will be our backup center. And I have absolutely no problem putting him in the ball game. I trust him, and uh, I know what he can do on the floor. After that, uh, Carl and David will play together a bunch, and, you know, Moving even further, Traymond and Jeremy will have opportunities. Is this doctor's choice based on what Bogan told you? Well, it was a combination, but um, it was a great question. I think ultimately we're going to listen to Andrew's body. And Andrew uh, feels this way. Um, and I'm sure there's frustration because he's not playing to the standard that, that he's used to playing at. And we're just using wisdom. So we'll continue to listen to the doctors and continue to listen to Andrew. But the best thing right now is to try to take it to that next level by um, giving it seven to ten days and giving them the proper rest period uh, and rehab period to get right. This is the first week or so that he played help with his kind of the integration process, finding the rhythm with the teammates um, for when he eventually does, does come back. I'm sorry, ask that again? Did, did this first week that he played, did that help with finding a rhythm with, with teammates? Oh, okay. He does come back. I believe it. I believe it. It, it, it has. And we'll see the, the fruits of it down the road. But being on the court, guys understanding just how good he is, uh, what he brings to the table, the different looks that he creates with his presence, also defensively his size and his, his length. Uh, contesting shots, blocking shots, rebounding the basketball. Uh, it makes it easier down the road. And uh, like I said all along, we're going to be very patient with him. The, the timing of um, the, obviously the L.A. trip between the, the three-gamer, the, the Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Dallas, does that have anything to do with it? He mentioned that the, the flights and the getting that on and off the plane, on and off the bus was bothering him a little bit. Does that have anything to do with shutting him down? No, no. Um, I think just it, it basically is listening to his body, and it's it's come to that time where we're going to shut him down. Uh, but it has nothing to do with uh, 
who we're playing, where we're playing, and when we're playing. It's just that um, he hasn't felt comfortable um, as far as what he's used to playing at, where he's used to playing at, the explosiveness. And the right thing to do is to shut him down and uh, let's continue to give him the proper rehab and treatment, put him in position for us to look at him again in seven to ten days. And when coach was done, Andrew Bogut came in front of the assembled press. When did you think this was the time to do this? We'll just be playing it by ear. I think, um, you know, my rehab progressed very well in the preseason and I probably came back a little early because I, I wanted to I wanted to test Anqua out and really see where I was at, you know, and I, I probably um, a little too soon, but that's just what I wanted to do and it wasn't it wasn't the Warriors pushing me or anybody pushing me it was myself trying to be out there and see how it responds but um, my rehab progress has plateaued a little bit it hasn't gotten worse but it's, it hasn't got hasn't gotten better this last week um, as, as as much as I'd like it to and it's it's still a little bit of a struggle to push off the ankle and to um, it's more just power and and uh, you know, quick quick movement stuff. What I'm struggling with, so I feel like I'm a liability out there because I can't rebound. I can't I can't move the way I'd like to move. Um, so I'm going to try to get it right in the next seven or ten days and just see how it responds. So, conclude then that it, it can't get better as long as you were playing. I think that was that's what what, what we were thinking because um, my rehab arrow was was going up, and then with the more games I've been playing, it's kind of just flattened out. I haven't seen the progress of it getting better. And it's tending to get a little bit of swelling and, and soreness afterwards, which my, my concern isn't really the pain at the moment. It's more so the, the power moves that I, can't, I, can't, I can't, um, can't do because I can't push off that left leg like I like. You know, a rebound's right next to me and I can't, I can't get that quick push off to get to the ball. So I just feel like, you know, there's no point laboring out there right now for the next seven, you know, seven, ten days. Just try to get some some rest and some strength, more strengthening than I have been doing um, and then see how it responds. Is there a reason to think that seven or ten days would do the No, it's just a number we just thought up out of the blue. <laughs> I mean, it's there's no there's no right formula for this. Um, so that's uh, seven to ten days. I could be ready. I could be ready in five or six days, but... I might not be ready for another two two weeks. You know, we, we just don't know. But seven or ten days is kind of that that number we think we we able to reevaluate things and see how it is. You know, until I can confidently jump off my left foot like I normally can, I think um, we'll still be trying to strengthen it. It seems almost unanimous that when they're out there, the team is better and that they're going to be a good. You don't seem as encouraged because I can do a lot more. Um, I'm real disappointed with the way I've been playing. Um, part of it's obviously the ankle, but it's not an excuse. I don't want to go out on the NBA floor and, and use the ankle as an excuse to, to my performance. Um, and at the same time, I'm not just I'm not just sitting out now the next couple of games just so because my numbers are bad or anything. I'm not a numbers guy. I don't, I don't care about numbers. Um, we're three and two, and that's the main the main thing. But I don't think I'm helping the team being out there as much as I, I can um, because I, I'm somewhat limited. So I'd rather come back where I can really help the team much more than I am right now. And then see how we go, and then hopefully when I come back, I'm not I'm not stuck at 18 minutes a game again. Maybe maybe they can lift that off me, or or we, we can kind of adjust that a little bit with another 10 days rest. Um, what a lot of people forget is I had two full practices before the first game, so I probably rushed into it a little bit. That's why the minutes were limited. Um, so we got to reevaluate things. Did you initiate this conversation? Uh, were you part of that conversation at least? You hadn't been. 
you weren't just being told to shut it down, were you? No, everything's everything's been open dialogue. You know, no one's from when I started the first game of the season. No one told me I had to start. Um, I made the decision on myself by myself with the help of, of, of the GM, the coach, and the trainers. And it's the same situation now. I've been in con- you know we've been in dialogue with Coach Jackson, with the GM, with my agent, with the doc, with um, with our trainers, and and we, collectively we thought let it settle down for seven, seven to ten days and get, get back in the weight room um, and see how we go. I mean, uh, I haven't had a chance to, to rehab it as, as, as strongly as I'd like because I've been playing games. You know, you, you're playing 20 minutes a game and doing shoot-arounds and practices. You can't spend another two hours in the weight room trying to get it strong. So we thought we'd pass that, that hurdle, but obviously we haven't. I need to get it much stronger than it is, so I'm confident. Not so much, not, not not all physically, but mentally too. You know that I'm confident that if there's a loose ball, I can push off my left ankle as, as much as I'd like and, and dive on that loose ball or, or go for that rebound and that block shot. Um, and I think until that happens, we got we got to play it very very smartly. So sure. no travel, no travel, no practice, nothing but workout and and rest. Uh, not so much rest. It'll be more like vigorous rehab, just just strengthening the ankle as much as I can. Really really lifting up the workload of. Of getting the ankle strong, um, I can still do shooting, light shooting drills, and obviously shoot, do touch, hook shots, and, and, and free throws. There's no reason why I can't do that. Um, so everything will remain the same, and then hopefully start practicing within a week, and just just building it back up and seeing how it responds. So are you more encouraged or are you disappointed? I'm obviously disappointed. I want to play basketball. Want, you know, it's been a it's been a long road for me to get back on the floor. Um, I've tried. I've tried it out now and I know how it feels on the floor so now I've got to be smart with it probably try to be a little bit of a hero early on and, and try to push through some things that I probably shouldn't have but you know at least I know where I'm at now I know what I need to do to get back into it um, and hopefully it'll turn the corner I mentioned a couple of times trying to stay sane through this whole process where is your, your sanity your frustration level right now? Oh, it's tough it's very very tough at the moment um, it's a tough tough time in my life of sport and, and even off the floor because um, it just weighs on my mind a lot um, I know a lot of people are expecting me to be, you know, what, what I'm supposed to be, and it's, it hasn't hasn't come come to that yet. I'm, it's going to take me a while to, to come to, to the top top of my game. Um, so people will say good things and bad things about that, but it is frustrating. And all I can do is just try to take it day by day. No, I'm not one of those guys. Like, like I said, this, this isn't a situation where I'm like, damn, I'm not getting my numbers. I'm going to sit out until I do. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, I'd rather rather win, but I, I feel like I'm a liability out there right now in certain parts of the game, um, where you know I just don't feel like I can get that explosiveness off my ankle that I'd like, and I, I don't want it to be a situation where it's taken away from my teammates um, who are probably playing better than me at the moment, and I'm just playing because they're trying to get me healthy. I mean, we're trying to win games, so that's probably the main main concern I had. So you'll be back if you can do some of that. That's what. That's yeah, I mean. If I, Exactly right. Like if I can get out there and I can, I can, I can get to that rebound like I know I can quickly, and I feel like I'll be out there again. But if, if I'm out there and I'm second guessing whether I can push off it or not, and kind of limping and making faces like I have been, um, it's probably not not the right time to be out there. Other than that, the strength, power, explosion there. How's the, the swelling and pain in the neck? It's day to day. I mean, it swells up at times. You know, there's times where I get um, swelling pockets, and that's. That's the biggest thing I probably haven't managed as well is because when you have swelling, that means something's wrong. So you've you got to kind of 
be, be very, very careful with that. Obviously, when you get swelling, the muscle shuts down and then you're laboring a bit more and then that can cause a whole lot more issues in other areas in your body. So there is some swelling issues every now and then, um, especially flying and doing all those things. But that, that's to be expected. That's, that's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, it's, you know, it's a, a pretty in-depth surgery that I had, so there's going to be swelling from time to time. You're a competitor who's played through a lot of stuff. How difficult is it to kind of balance that out with, with being smarter and all this stuff? It's very tough because you never want to be seen as a... As a just sitting on the sideline and is hurt all the time. Um, but at the same time, like I said, you don't want to be a hero and try to play through something and do more damage. So it's a fine line right now, but I think I crossed that line a little bit in trying to play through it, and now I've just got to be smart with it. And, and you know, however long it takes, it takes. I can't, I can't really control that right now. We have a fabulous team. We have a great team, a deep team. It's 12 deep. Even the guys that aren't suiting up can contribute at times. Um, Carl Landry's probably been our best player so far, even though he's coming off the bench. And David Lee's playing well. Um, we've got a lot of consistency, and guys are starting to find their roles within their minutes. So, I mean, um, I don't feel like um, this is a situation where I'm like, I'm sitting out, you know, who's going to back me up? I, I have full confidence in Festus and Carl Landry. They're doing, they're doing a great job out there. And even Beardrins, when he's quarter plans, done a pretty good job. So, um, I don't think Coach has any issues neither. And don't forget, tomorrow night, Warriors and Lakers from Staples Center, 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR, 6.80. And then Saturday night, a 7 o'clock start time against the Denver Nuggets. Very talented team, Ty Lawson, Danilo Gallinari, Andre Iguodala, head coach George Carl. And the first 10,000 fans will receive a 2012-2013 schedule magnet courtesy of Kaiser Permanente. And it's Filipino Heritage Night special offer night. So come on out and see the Warriors take on the Nuggets on Saturday night. When we continue to NBA.com and Scott Howard Cooper, it's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. I'd like to remind you that this season of Warriors basketball is brought to you by Kaiser Permanente. I'm Tim Roy. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and always a pleasure to welcome a friend of Warriors Radio, and that is Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com. And uh, Scott, we've had a couple of uh, interesting storylines progress so far in this season. I guess the first one we have to address is is our game tomorrow night in Los Angeles. The Warriors will play the Lakers, who are 1-4 for the first time since the 93-94 season. That's the first time it's ever happened you know, in Kobe Bryant's uh, tenure with the Lakers. And so I, I guess the, the, the question is, you know, what type of Laker team do you think the Warriors will see tomorrow night? That's a very good question because uh, we obviously don't know. Is is this going to be the game like the Lakers had the other night against the Pistons where they say we need to take some aggression out on somebody, we need to make a stand, or is this going to be more of the same? My sense is it has a better chance of being more of the same because you know the Warriors are going to go in there and be very fired up they're going to have a lot of young legs to throw at the Lakers, and I think that's probably the last thing that L.A. needs to see right now. A team that's struggling and does not have any depth at all, so if they get if they start to get uh, run down a little bit, they're going to be in trouble. And by the way, on that 93-94 Laker team, uh, were players like Danny Shays had a cameo on that team, Sedell Threat, Nick Van Exel, uh, Kurt Rambis was still there, uh, Anthony Peeler, George Lynch, Antonio Harvey. 
even uh, James Edwards. I had... know all about that team. I was around them every single day. <laughs> I would also say, and just to just to throw this in there, that I'm not on the panic bandwagon. I'm I'm one of the people saying it's fine that uh, a championship. I promise you is not won or lost before Thanksgiving. That that I'm pretty sure that there's uh, enough time left that they have not been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet. Has it been a good start? No. But is it any different from what we saw from Laker teams in the past uh, that had very bad stretches? No. Uh, it's just that it, it just looks so much worse because of the record, because it comes at the start of the season. If they had this exact same run in December or January, as they have had several times in recent years, it wouldn't look nearly as bad. It's just it's just to start this way is what makes it look so dramatic. And also, too, I think the most uh, underrated aspect of assembling a team in the NBA is getting the team to gel together. And when you bring in new pieces, and you're bringing in two very important pieces, I think the two most important spots on the floor are point guard and center. So you have a new point guard and a new center. That's going to take time uh, to get together. So I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's anything for them to worry about. And plus, you know, I don't think they went into the season thinking, well, we have to get home court advantage in order to get to the NBA Finals. Championship teams can win on the road. And, and not only is it a new point guard and a new center, it's both of those guys being hurt. Correct. Dwight Howard missed a lot of training camp preseason because of uh, returning from the back injury. And now Steve Nash is out with with the leg injury, so it's not like it would have been an easy transition even under the best of circumstances just because there was so much, uh, so many new layers to work in, but now you have the injuries on top of that, and that even compounds it. And the Lakers were realistic all along. They knew that going into the season that it would take some time because of the new players, because they're working in some of the Princeton offense with some of the holdover sets that Mike Brown ran last year, in his rookie campaign with the Lakers, they were saying from the first days of training camp that this is going to be an adjustment period, that it's going to take a little time. Again, count them out for the championship of November. They're not going to win. They're not going to be able to raise that banner. That's a big difference from saying that this season is going down the drain just the way a lot of people want to press the panic button. What teams have impressed you so far? What teams do you you like that maybe you thought coming in weren't going to be that good? Interested to see where the direction of Oklahoma City, because now everybody's watching to see the personalities and the attitude, and they got a little chippy with each other the other night, which is not a big deal at all, except that that was always the team, you know, team Kumbaya and Peace and Harmony. So the fact that they get into it all with each other, uh, I think, got a lot of people watching. Uh, there's yeah, a lot you know, of things, a lot of storylines going on right now. I just, I just really, I'm still a head scratcher on the Harden deal. I, I still, I still don't get that. And and I get granted, Harden wanted his money, and he wanted to, you know, he's going to get it in, 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 in a big way from the, the Rockets. But uh, to me, I, I don't know. You know, I, I thought they were a team that was them and Miami would be my two teams to come back to the finals. I, I thought at the beginning of the year with Harden, now with Kevin Martin and Lamb. I'm not so sure. You know, I, I don't know if they'll have that. I mean, Martin's a, a fine scorer, but he's not Harden. And I, I agree. I There's no question. It's an immediate. It's a setback for this season. And I think that when you're you just won a conference championship, you're playing for this season. That's a team that obviously 
despite being young and, and having a large window of opportunity, was still in win-now mode. So uh, the trade could work out for OKC down the line because Sam Presti's a great general manager, and now he's got expiring contracts and draft picks. But that's talking about two or three years down the line before the, they're going to get some payback. They had one, They got one player back that had uh, NBA experience, and that was Kevin Martin. From their perspective, it's not a real surprise because I think one of the things that Sam Presti really has focused on has been the culture. And he just didn't want this uncertainty of uh, the constant questions and, and how is James Harden going to react to not, getting the, to not coming to a new deal and now spending the entire season wondering what's going to happen in the summer. And I think it was a lot like what the Jazz did with Darren Williams. Where they just said we're just not gonna we're going to get away from the problem. We're not going to let this fester and become a bigger deal. Uh, they're going to turn it into something rather than Harden having another good season and somebody giving him some killer contract in the summer. And at that point, Oklahoma City potentially loses has to make the decision to lose him for nothing because a sign and trade is by no means an automatic. Um, I think they just decided to deal with it now rather than let it complicate. We're talking with Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com. Tim Roy of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I want to switch gears here and talk about a guy that doesn't get a lot of uh, headlines or pub, but quietly I think is one of the game's best coaches. I'm looking down at the Dallas Mavericks, and I see Rick Carlisle there, and he just gets it done. You know what? What is it about Rick Carlisle, do you think, that makes him such a good NBA head coach? He's a really good X and O's man that I think has done better as his coaching career has evolved at relating to people. There, there's been a lot of growth, I think, in that aspect. Because people always knew that he was a sharp basketball mind. I, I think he's just become much more of a complete coach. And as a lot as most people will tell you, coaching is not just about the diagrams, and what you do in practice and the, and the sets you call during the games. And uh, I agree. I think that Something like now, going it without Dirk when they've had so much transition on the roster there over the last couple of years, and now because they have had some good moments early this season, I think that he will get a lot of positive recognition, and I think it is deserved. And O.J. Mayo is blossoming in Dallas. I mean, he's, he's off to a great start. Yeah, I'm not going to go for blossoming. I will say good start because uh, it's got to be sustained, just as uh, I'm not calling the Lakers for the lottery after <laughs> Four or five games. Uh, I'm not putting O.J. Mayo in the All-Star game, and I'm not putting the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference you're, Finals. You're absolutely no fun, you know? You're I just think, no fun I think whatsoever. all this will, will all even out. Uh, is O.J. Mayo a guy that can score the ball? Absolutely, but I don't think he sustains this. Hey, tell me what you think of Denver. We see Denver on Saturday, and they have assembled a number of really good players. There's no superstar on this team. But uh, there's a whole bunch of really good players, and I think it's a team, my, my gut feeling is, it's a team that George Carl is going to love to coach. I agree with that 100%. I think that, that George loves being in situations like this. Uh, the energy, and he's got a lot of different pieces that he can move around uh, because the, he's got a lot of options, particularly at some of the forward spots. Uh, I think the big thing with Denver early on is that it has to learn how to play with a target on its back. That's the big deal. Remember last year, uh, they were huge successes because they pushed because they lost in the first round in seven games. 
That's not the case anymore because they raised that, that level of expectation with the playoffs and then acquiring Andre and then acquired Andre Iguodala. That changes the perspective entirely. They're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. And I think that, that they sort of got a little bit of that early in the season, that they had some bad losses uh, because they just weren't, they didn't come with the proper mindset of teams saying, the opponents come in and say, okay, this is a team that potentially will challenge for home court advantage in the Western Conference. So, yeah, we better be ready. And that was never the case. That hasn't been the case in Denver for the last few years. So there, there's that emotional adjustment period, and I think Denver has to react to it better than it has so far. Before I let you go, Scott, I wanted to jump back to the East for one second, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks. Here's a team that was consistently middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, uh, really good, but never good enough to challenge uh, the best teams in the conference. They kind of blew it up uh, this year. How do you see the Hawks coming together? They still have Al Horford down there and Josh Smith. Uh, Horford, I think, is, is a below-the-radar, very good player in this league. But, but how do you see the Hawks this year? I see them as as pretty much the same as recent years. Uh, probably not as good because losing Joe Johnson uh, and getting very few assets back is a setback. The reason people didn't like Joe Johnson in Atlanta was because of that contract. And the same player at a much lower number, you, you have a completely different perspective. But I think the Hawks are, are getting themselves in a bad situation because they're you're going to be stuck for a long time in, in that no-man's land where you're not good enough to push for a long playoff run and you're not bad enough to get uh, high draft picks and you don't have en- enough money to go out and do a, a really big free agent. They need to find some way to make a major step forward between this season and then into the off season to when they can make some moves. But right now I find it that they're getting stuck. I just keep coming back to that. They're in that gray area in the NBA. You know, sometimes, you know, for to rebuild your team, you almost have to get really bad to get really good. And I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. You either have to really be moving forward or you have to be moving backwards because you can sell it to your fans all you want that, you know, we have X number of winning seasons in a row. But if all your winning seasons are 42, 43, 44 wins – losing in the first round of the playoffs, then there's no forward progress. You need to play for a championship. And either you're one of those teams that are pushing forward, and I definitely put the Warriors in that mix because they're in that pushing forward stage, or you have to do something like go backwards and start over with draft picks and cap space and really do it. But if you're doing neither, that's where you really get yourself in trouble. No question about it. That's why we call you to get knowledge like that on this show. Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com, always a pleasure, my friend, and and I hope to see you soon along the NBA trail. Great to visit with you. We'll wrap up this week on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable with a look ahead to the schedule on KMBR 680, the sports leader. I don't believe it. I can't believe Now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. 
So as we wrap up tonight's show, the news of the day, center Andrew Bogut will continue to rehab that left ankle for 7 to 10 days. He could be back as early as the game in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, and we'll keep you updated throughout our broadcast along the Golden State Warriors radio network. Time now to look ahead. Warriors on the road tomorrow night. They take on the Los Angeles Lakers, meeting a very angry Kobe Bryant. Jameson's got it. Give it down low to Kobe. Kobe now backs his man in, shoots an 8-foot fallaway. Beautiful shot. The Warriors at the Stable Center in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers. 7 o'clock the air time tomorrow night. KMBR 680. Then right back into action on Saturday night when the Warriors welcome the Denver Nuggets and Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari, good pump fake. Dribbles in. Up over Tyler with a bank shot. Knocked it down. Tough shot by Gallinari. The first 10,000 fans receive a 2012-2013 schedule magnet courtesy of Kaiser Permanente. Warriors and Nuggets, 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR 680 on Saturday night, November the 10th. And then the Warriors are home on Wednesday night, November 14th, to take on the Atlanta Hawks. It's Hall of Fame night, a tribute to Don Nelson. And who is also in the house? A little high flyer, Josh Smith. Monte, bad pass, cross court. Josh Smith has it. He's going in for a slam. Left hand, hammer slam for Josh Smith. Warriors and Hawks Wednesday night, 7 o'clock the airtime on KBR 680. And that should be a fun night as we honor Nelly. I'm Tim Roy, and this has been the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. My thanks to our producer, R.C. Davis. Thanks to Clay Thompson. Also to Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com. And, of course, a special thanks to you for listening to the show and Dave Feldhaus at the controls. Ray Woodson with your calls and the comments next hour as we continue on KBR 680. The sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1 888 GSW Hoop.